Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you for the testimonies of everything that you're doing through Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision to change the world. We thank you, Lord, that we have decided um, to adhere, to listen to you, to, to put our heart and our mind fully in the affairs that concern your kingdom. Uh, we ask you to forgive our uh, sins, Lord, and wash us, Lord, for the times there's been... Uh, uh, attitudes and disposition and conduct that has not honored you. We pray that you wash us with the blood of Jesus, Lord. We give you thanks for a perfecting and sanctifying work of your spirit. We pray, Lord, that we would uh, pour into these matters with more intentionality, with more deliberate resolve, that nothing can distract us, that nothing distance us, that nothing disconnect us, that all the discouragement from hell, Father God, would return to hell where it came from, and that you might fill us with your spirit and with your presence, and we might be passionate about you and about what Jesus did on the cross and the plans that you have for us, Lord. Allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord. Allow your spirit to govern our hearts, Lord, and to fill us with passion for the things that are eternal. We pray, O oh God, that you have put us in the right place at the right time with the right people, Lord. Allow us to edify one another, comfort one another, serve one another, love one another, Lord. Father, this is the place where your eyes are upon to dispense with the inventory of heaven, Lord. So we pray for wisdom. We pray for understanding. We pray, O oh God, that you continue to direct our steps and open the doors, Lord, and that we rejoice for what you did yesterday. We're passionate about what you're doing today. We're expecting with full hope, oh God, and faith what you have planned for us tomorrow. We give you thanks for your goodness in our lives. We give you thanks for the angels that surround us day in and day out, Lord. Thank you, oh God, for the encouragement. Thank you for the grace you've poured out to live for you, oh God. Now bless our time in the word of God and give us insight, O oh God, that we might concern, Father God, ourselves with the things that you've instructed us to. And we bless you in the house of the Lord this morning. Allow your word not to return void. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Last week we were talking about covenant. Covenant is an agreement that God has to do something upon the earth. Uh, they call the Old Testament the Old Covenant. They call the New Testament the New Covenant. With each one of the covenants that God has with his people, he's always put a mark to signify this covenant. So in Genesis chapter 9, verse 12, the covenant to never destroy, the covenant he made with Noah, to never destroy the earth again by flood. This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you. And every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I, I want to highlight the word sign, uh, mark. This is the evidence that there's an agreement between you and I. And God is a God of covenant. We said that. He relates with people and his creation through covenant. And it's always bearing a revelation of a sign. And the sign he gives Noah, and we go to verse... Um, 16, this rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it and remember the everlasting covenant 
He sees a sign that he has placed to recall his covenant between God and every living creature, all flesh that is on the earth. And so you'll see from Genesis, we go all the way to the last book now in Revelations chapter 12, verse 1. He says there appeared a great sign in the heavens. Genesis has a sign in the heavens, a rainbow, recalling the covenant God has with his people. And now another sign appears in heaven. And it's a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and her head and a garland of 12 stars. Verse 3, then another sign appeared in heaven. These signs from Genesis to Revelations continue to be manifest and tangible. And, and we thank God that he has placed signs to distinguish. In heaven there was a sign, behold a great fiery dragon having seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems on his head. And everybody's trying to figure out who these people are. In Genesis chapter 17 we see him enter into a covenant with the people of God and says, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and your descendants after you. Every male shall be circumcised. Genesis 17 verse 10. Circumcision as a sign of an agreement between God. Verse 11 says, you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a sign between you and me. And so God continues to establish these uh, aspects of a sign. In Exodus chapter 4. No, I'm sorry. Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. You're going to put a sign before every door. Verse 13. Exodus 12, 13. He says, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses. You're going to put blood at the entrance of your doorways. And when I see the blood, when I see the sign, when I see the mark, I'm going to pass you over. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Verse 23, Exodus 12, 23, the Lord will pass through as he's killing the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel of the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. So we see this throughout scripture that God continues to call his people to the signs that he has placed. In Ezekiel chapter 9 verse 4, he commands the angels, you're going to go into this city. You're going to go through the midst of the city where the people are, through the midst of Jerusalem, and you're going to mark the foreheads <clears throat> of the men, those who carry the anguish, the sigh, those who cry over the things that are not being done right inside of Jerusalem. You're going to put a mark on their foreheads. Verse 5, to the others... He said in my hearing, go after him through the city. Follow this man who's marking people. And do not let your eyes spare nor have pity. Verse 6. On the elderly, utterly slay, kill the old people, kill the young people, kill the maidens, kill the little children and the women. Do not come near anyone who has a mark. 
don't go near anyone who has a sign. That first angel was going to mark the people that were genuine and sincere in the house of God. And those that would not receive the mark would be slain, would be destroyed. Begin at my sanctuary. Begin uh, inside the house of God. It, we, we talk about this all the time. There's, there's a travesty in the house of God that not everybody who's here is here genuinely or concern themselves authentically with the matters that concern God. But here in the book of Ezekiel, he says, mark those that are serious and that cry and that lament and that care. And then those that do not, get rid of them. Begin in my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the temple. Verse 7, and he said to them, go defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. And they went out and killed those that were in the city. And God has constantly marking those that are authentically from those that are not authentically. And this is always the case. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 24, this is one of the verses that I, 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 I'm always surprised how God, it says that he met Moses, of all people, the person he says to go put the blood on the doorpost so that the angel won't come in and kill them, a couple chapters later, he is seeing Moses in the encampment, and the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Why would God get rid of his number one man who's leading his people out of Egypt? This is like getting rid of Don Shula, who's the coach of the Miami Dolphins, or getting rid of Dan Marino. Why would you get rid of your number one player? This is a mystery. God would meet him, not to say you're doing a great job, not to encourage him, not to refresh him, to kill him. Verse 25 says why. His wife took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet. Moses forgot to mark his son. He forgot to circumcise what God had told his people that he was to mark his children that they would belong to the Lord. That he would mark those that belong to his covenant. And so thank God for wives. How many thank God for wives? Absolutely. She runs and grabs a flintstone, grabs her son, and whoosh, circumcises her son, throws the foreskin at Moses' feet. And that was the deliverance. God did not kill Moses because of what his wife did in that moment. Verse 26 says, as soon as she did that, God let him go. God is a God of covenant. God is a God of sign. God is a God that marks us, that we belong to him. When we belong to God, we don't belong to anybody else. You could run, you could hide, you could do whatever you want, but God wants to mark his people and set them aside. The story is told of the people of Israel that went into Germany, into Europe, and they left Israel. In the 1930s, they started buying up banks and buying up land and, and buying up businesses. 
and God raises up Adolf Hitler, and he says, mark these people. Put a yellow star of David on their chest. They cannot live without this mark. They were placed in concentration camps. They were persecuted. As God's people, God set them apart. If he hadn't done that, they would not gone back to Israel. They would not gone back to the land that flows with milk and honey. In 1948, they established the nation of Israel. God's always setting his people apart, and we're always trying to disguise ourselves. We're trying to, to make our children not marked by God, by, but marked by the world. And there's a, huge, there's a huge situation taking place nowadays with respect to uh, tattoos and earrings and all these things, haircuts, and identifying with anything but God. And the story is told of, of George Carrigal that goes to take Julian for a haircut, and the guy do, does a design on, the, on his side of his head. And George says, what the heck are you doing? He goes, everybody wants this. And George Carrigal says, my son's not everybody. We're not part of this world. We're not to be marked by the things that marks people in this world. We don't, we don't belong to this world. Years ago, one of the young girls at our youth group would, would put two little hair, I forgot what they're called. What was that thing that, called, that holds the hairs back? A hairpin, right? Two bobby pins, and they put them right there in the front. Like that. And they, their hair and two bobby pins. And I said, could you please put those bobby pins somewhere else? And it's like, why? I go, because that's what the gothics are doing. And if you're walking down the street and they see you like that, they're going to think that you're one of them. And you're going to attract that, that aspect. Put the, put the pins wherever you want, but don't let the devil mark you. A couple years later, another a young girl would come into our church and start putting feathers on everybody, marking everybody. We were looking like a bunch of peacocks. And I go into the internet and I look up the Google. Where did this come from? It came from that clown from Aerosmith. What's his name? Tyler? Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler started putting feathers on. So everybody started putting feathers and, and clipping their hair with feathers. God, if God wanted us to have feathers, we would have feathers. <laughs> but don't let the world start a cultural trend to identify you with those that do not honor and love Jesus Christ. I said, we're going to start plucking feathers in this house. Get rid of the feathers. Oh, not because feathers are bad. I, I don't mind you wearing feathers, but if somebody starts a fashion and he's not a Jesus lover, we're not following him. Right. We, we don't want to be marked by the world. And so these marks identify us tangibly with the relationship we have. And so it's powerful that, that God would set us apart with these things and establish his people in a manner that is wonderful. My favorite verse in the whole Bible, 2 Timothy 2.19. This is a sure foundation, and this is our mark. The solid foundation of God is what allows us to stand having this sign or this mark. The Lord knows those that belong to him. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That marks us. That, that is a sign 
that, that sets us apart. And so in a gathering of people, we know that, that those who are his, those who belong to him, are, are getting rid of a lifestyle that does not honor him. And so we're living in a time where pastors are getting tattoos faster than believers. And, and they're even using, I saw a tattoo this week, the guy had uh, 2911. And so obviously you look at a 2911, you're saying, what is that? And then he'll tell you it's a Bible verse. And then he'll tell you it's his favorite Bible verse. And then he'll tell you that God knows the plans he has for you. And so, but all these, there's a lot of people that don't understand they don't understand the heart of God and that are moving in a manner that does not honor God, that it has nothing to do. Uh, one of the local pastors here in Miami started getting a lot of uh, tattoos and my sons came up to me and says, Dad, tell me what you think. Because I had never talked about it. So my kids are 15 years old and they're asking me, Pastor, so-and-so is getting a tattoo. He's gotten several of them. What do you think? I said, that's not from the Lord. It's not from the Lord. The, the aspects of, of keeping away from this world marking you is, is a very important aspect of our Christian faith. Um, our bodies being representative of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we would not grab... Uh, and, and vandalize this temple. If, if somebody came in here with, with some spray paint and just started tagging the walls, uh, I would be upset. They would probably get arrested. They would probably uh, have some serious criminality about them. And, and I really believe that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That we're not to mark them up and affect them the way the devil would like. In the same manner as God is, is marking uh, his people and setting them apart, there was uh, uh, the devil's attempt to do this in, in Revelations. Let's go there very quickly. In Revelations, he says that there was to be a, a mark that would, Revelations 14 I'm sorry, Revelation 13, verse 16. <clears throat> this antichrist spirit, he causes all peoples, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. All these things move in a spirit realm. We don't understand the intensity of it. But, but whether it be a tattoo, a, a pierced earring. Yesterday we were having lunch uh, and, and this gentleman who was serving the tables, uh, incidentally, I invited him. He might be here this morning. But um, two, two earrings, and, and I, I was sitting there having lunch, and, and I reach out to him, and I say, you know something? If, I usually ask a man if he's married. Do you have a family? Is there, do you have a marriage? And he says, yeah, um, I'm not married yet, he says, but I'm looking forward to marrying my husband. And, and it's a 22-year-old young man. And I, I was like, you, 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 when somebody tells you like that, you know, um, you swallow. You're like, I got to take this in. And, and 
And I said, because I help men become champions. And I, I just acted like I didn't hear that part. And then he goes, yeah, I, I learned how to be a man through my husband. He's over there in the cash register. He was a manager of that restaurant we were at. And I said, he's stealing your manhood. He's stripping you of the gift of God that one day you'll have a wife and you'll have children and your sons will want to be like you. But we're living in a real horrible age. I, I really believe that if, if we're passionate about Jesus Christ and we're going to be radical, we, we need to, just like the devil is marking them up, just like constantly, everywhere he gets a chance, he tags them. And, and that we would look totally separate and, and sanctified and apart so that the people see that we're radical about what we believe also. Amen. That we're intense. That we're, we're, we're not allowing this world to mark us up. And so here the devil has a plan to put his mark on as many people as possible. And that they would carry those trends and they would carry the spirit. There in uh, Revelation 7, there's something similar to what happened in the Old Testament. So a lot of people says, well, the Old Testament marks people for destruction, but the New Testament doesn't. Well, if you read with me in Revelations chapter 7, verse 1, the instruction is that after these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth. The winds should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Verse 2. Then I saw another angel who was coming up from the east, and he was carrying something. What was he carrying? Carrying something to make a mark. And cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. Verse 3. Saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, the trees, till we have marked the servants of our God on their foreheads. Don't go in there and bring your destruction until we place a mark on the servants of our God. Verse 4. And I heard the number of those who were marked. So the angel comes and marks those that are going to be preserved before destruction takes upon the earth. I, I, I have this sentiment also with respect to anything. And, and obviously... Um, we're living in a time and a place where everything has a label on it. Everything has a logo. Everything has a sign with respect to how we use it. We need to be wise and make sure the devil is not marking us. Uh, for In the 1960s, uh, a cartoon character came out called Batman. And so everybody's going around with a Batman shirt, and it's a cool cultural trend and icon. But by, uh, Batman's name is called the Prince of Darkness. And that's another name for the devil. And people don't know it. And they're bringing this into their homes. And so wherever we have an icon, wherever we have a mark from, from the dark side, you can say that that has a realm that affects us. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10, the Bible says their demons are trying to recognize those that are under submission and those that are not under submission. So if you're under submission, the devil can't touch you. And so he tells the women, for this reason, the women ought to have a symbol of authority on their heads because the spiritual realm, the angels are looking for these things. 
When you see the people of God uh, and how they wear the yarmulke, they have, they have the little hat on their head and, and, and they say it's a sign that they're under the shadow of the Almighty. That's why they wear it. It's a, it, you know, the, the understanding is that that mark on their head, I'm thinking about one, getting one just because of my bald spot. <laughs> but I love the significance of being under God's protection. And so the other day, a Jewish man walked into a Muslim country, and he had that little hat on. And somebody told me, Pastor, that, that man should take that little hat off because that's going to show he's a Jewish man. And so he's going to be in danger. So he shouldn't wear the little hat because then they're going to know he's Jewish. I said, no, that's the very reason he wears the hat because they can't touch him. They can't touch him because he's marked by God. He's wearing that saying, God is my covering. God is my protector. God is my, my defense, my refuge. So all these things to say that God is bringing clarity in the spiritual realm here, he's saying women ought to have their head covered. I, I know many women go around covering their heads and are big rebels. And so they got to be super careful. That the, the sign is that in the spiritual atmosphere, your heart be circumcised. Your heart be submitted. Your heart be marked by God. And that's what uh, in the book of Romans, we're going to read that real quickly. He says, make sure that your circumcision is not outward. Romans 2.25. Circumcision coming down from the law is indeed profitable if you keep all the law. But if you're a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. If you break one law, you've broken them all. So circumcision is not that important in that regards. Verse 26. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps righteous requirements... Of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? Verse 27. And will not physically, uh, will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code and circumcisions are a transgressor of the law? In other words, all the matter of signs and markings and all this aspect uh, could be deceptive. There are people that have no tattoos and are the biggest devils. And then there's people that have gotten tattoos in the past who God has come into their life and now are living for God's glory and it's a sign of what God has done in their life. So we're not, we're not having issues in that regards. So everywhere we go, we testify of God's goodness. When my sons asked uh, George Carrigal, why'd you get your tattoos? He says, I was drunk and I was stupid. I was foolish. I wasn't, I wasn't in my, if I would have been in the Lord and I've been honoring God, I would have never got a tattoo. I would have, I would have kept my body wholesome unto the Lord. So he says there in verse 28, Romans 2:28, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Verse 29, but he who is a Jew is one inwardly. And the circumcision, the mark, is that of the heart. You can, you can tell people who have a disposition to honor God. In the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but he's seeking to honor God. Every time God's people got involved in a 
cultural atmosphere, their bodies begin to reflect their culture. In Genesis chapter 35, in verse 1, God talks to Jacob and he says, I need to call you to the house of God. And there you're going to make an altar in Bethel to the God who appeared to you and delivered you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. God is speaking to Jacob and saying, I want to meet with you and your family. Verse 2, so Jacob said to his entire household, to all who were with him, put away your foreign gods, those things that you're giving more importance to that are amongst you, purify yourselves, change your clothes. Don't, Don't let the devil mark you with the trends of today's rebels. Verse 3, he says, then let us arise and go up to Bethel to make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress. And he has been with me all the way which I have gone. The reason we give ourselves to God to not be marked by the world is because when we go through problems, we don't want the devil to show up. We want God to show up. We don't, we, we're not going to call upon the cultural fashion uh, trends of our day we want God to show up we're making room for God so verse 4 says this is what they did members of his household gave Jacob all the foreign God which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears they they gave up the 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 markings that they had that identified them with the trends of their day and time. When you look up the the, the whole purpose behind this aspect of earrings, more than ever, young men are wearing earrings in biblical times. A pierced ear made you became a slave of the person that was piercing your ear. If you, you had a, a master and, and he was in your life and, and you wanted to give your whole entire family over to that, to be a servant, they would take your ear over to a post and put a hole in it. And that would mark you for the rest of your life saying that you were a perpetual servant of that master. And so when I I talk to young men all the time, I said, what was your inspiration? Many of them tell me I lost a bet. Somebody says, "If, if, if you don't do this, then you have to get your ears pierced. And they're doing it because friends of them are challenging them in that direction. But we, we need to know that all things signify something in the spiritual realm. And all these things are markings and, and our hearts need to be circumcised. And we need to be set aside for God in this season more than ever. More than ever. We know that there's a time coming soon where the devil is going to, and we see it. In, in my day, when I was a young boy, I, I was like a mark of the beast. What is that? It's already being done all over the world. They're already inserting <clears throat> this microchip, marking those that are, are, are going to be lost perpetually. And so we need to begin to start lining up our lives and our hearts in a different direction. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, this is the Old Testament. God was already looking 
at the sign of circumcision was a circumcision of the heart. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you might be one of those who lives, that you might be one of those who set aside your life for God. And so this morning I want to encourage you. Start figuring out what is moving you in the direction of God and let that mark your life. I recall one day that I was working in the backyard with my father and uh, we were moving some heavy equipment and boom, I sliced my hand. And, and I said, man, I just got hurt. And he goes to me, good, that way you'll always remember you were helping your father. I was like, man, I didn't want to hear that. I wanted some stitches. But I, I think it's good that God would mark us, that we belong to him. And, and that there will be signs that, that we're consecrated to God. That there would be aspects of our existence where the devil will show up to our lives like he did the sign of the doorpost. And see that you're marked by God and, and, and pass you over. And not have anything to do with destruction or demise. And God is going to bring signs and wonders in these last days that we should be attentive to for our deliverance. It says, look up at the sky and look at the signs that I put so that they bear witness of my soon coming. Let's stand this morning. And, and there's nothing like resenting the fact that God is marking you. You know, a lot of young people want to look like the world. They, they want to dress like the world. They want to smell like the world. And I tell them, if you want to look, smell, and, and be with the world, you'll probably end up where the world is going, which is hell in a handbasket. It's going to be a horrific thing. So we're going against the flow. We're going against the tide. <coughs> in the book of Ezekiel, Chapter 9 is the marking of these people inside the city of God to be delivered from the coming destruction. Chapter 8, it was the women that were teaching their children and their husbands to serve Tammuz, the spirit of the age, the spirit of making men God. Tammuz was a god whose mother had made him an idol. To be worshipped. And so a strong sense of the trends and the fashions of our day are those being carried by nutty women. Women that don't understand that, that when you take your son. I, I was in Switzerland. We were doing a men's conference up there in the Swiss Alps. We had 75 men gathered. There was this one young man who was 19 years old who had a huge diamond earring. Bah! And so after three days of ministry and, and, and talking to him and, and really ministering to him the heart of God, he, he mustered enough courage on the last day to take off his earring. Boom. And he says, I want to be a man of God. I want to be known not by the, the cultural fashions of my day and what looks cool and what is awesome. I, I want to be separate. I, I want to be a man of God. And so we, we saw that as a great victory in his heart. His heart being circumcised during the time we were doing the men's conference, the last day, the fruit was, I'm taking this thing off. We didn't make our focus the earring. 
We made the focus the consecration to God. And he of himself says, I'm taking it off. When we went back on Sunday, the, the conference was over on Saturday. On Sunday, I'm preaching at the church. And this demon-possessed woman runs up to me and says, who told my son to take his earring off? I said, oh, here's the gorilla. This was the witch that was marking her son to be a playboy in the culture. She was furious. How dare you? She was infuriated. She was the one that was pushing her son into that realm of destruction. So we see in chapter 8 of Ezekiel, the women influencing the, their sons, their daughters, their husbands to serve these icons. We're not to be like that. We're, we're to find out, and, and this is powerful. Uh, I believe it's Acts chapter 16 real quick. Again, New Testament, so that you guys don't freak out. It says that when Paul met Timothy, the first thing he did was circumcise him. In other words, mark him so he knew he belonged to God. And, and sometimes, let's, let's put Acts chapter 16 up there. It says when, when he went through Lystra, he found a young man who was a faithful disciple. And having found Timothy, he circumcised him, marking him because his father was Greek. 16 verse 3. We could go to verse 1 if you want. Acts 16, 1. He came to Derby and Lystra and became, um, behold, a certain disciple was there, Timothy, a son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. Verse 2. His father was not of Jewish tradition. He was well spoken of by all the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Verse 3. And Paul wanted to take him to have him go on with him in the journey and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region for they all knew that his father was a Greek his father was not marking him in a lasting legacy of a covenant son of a child and, and a lot of times people will come to church and, and we have the responsibility to circumcise that's, that's what we do. That's what the priest would do. And so many times we don't do it physically, but we do cut the hearts of the men. And, and some of them say, no, I'm not going to let you cut me with the word of God. You're not going to mark me. You're not going to separate me. I don't want to identify with that consecration. And then other, other men are like, listen, I want to, I think it was Paul. I have the verse there also. Paul says in Galatians, you guys know that my whole life, I mean, this guy was stoned, he was left for dead, and he says these words to the people of God. He says, I'm sure that you guys know that I've suffered for the Lord, 
and I bear the marks, the sign, Galatians 6, 17. From now on, let no one trouble me. Let no one question whether I'm legit or genuine, for I bear the body, in my body, the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I bear, I, I, you can tell that I carry the, what do they call the, the casualties of my travels in the Lord. I've been cut, I've been, I've been offended, I've been abused, I've been uh, misrepresented, I've been whatever, and I'm still going forward. All these marks of the Lord Jesus Christ are on my body. I, I live to suffer for his name. Father, this morning as we hear that you're a God who sets apart a people. Yes, there's an outward appearance and a manifestation of who we belong to. Whether our clothes manifest, Lord, the excellence and the pursuit of wisdom to honor our parents, to honor our pastors, to honor the legacy of men who have gone before us, who have paid the price, Lord. Allow us also to have the conscience that just as you mark and set aside for salvation, the devil is going to mark and set aside for destruction. The devil does things to, to bear witness who we belong to. And many people say, you just don't see my heart. No, I don't see your heart. I see the outward manifestation of an inward reality. And if you love God with all your heart, and if you honor Him, the expression will be outwardly seen in a manner that shows a sign of tangible evidence that we love you, that we honor you, that we live for your glory, Lord. Just as the world follows its stream of influence, Lord, allow there to rise a passionate people who love you more than all of this who love you more than fashions and trends. And let us not fall in legalism, Lord. Let us not fall in religious piety. We know that you're not seeing the outward, but the inward, Lord. But allow us also to understand that our outward is seen way before we speak our inward, Lord. And we pray that you crown us with favor and that we would be one of those that you mark for salvation. Having this seal, let everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Depart from doing things on their own. Set us apart, Lord, even more in these last days. Bring deliverance, salvation. Give us understanding. Make there be a stark contrast in our passionate pursuit of you, Lord. And let this be contagious and attractive, Lord. Allow all men to come to salvation in Jesus Christ. We give you thanks and we glorify your name. We ask your blessing upon every family in this church. We pray for financial prosperity, Lord. Open heavens. We pray, Father God, for the blessing of abundance over our storehouses, Lord. That we might be generous and faithful to you, Lord. Be glorified, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And the people of God say amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.